Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Howlin' Hoops podcast. As always, it's uh, Kyle and Tom here. We, we've got another another interesting episode i guess for you guys it's uh it's been a it's been a little bit of a little bit of a rough patch i think for the pack you know it's 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 highs and lows it's filled with emotions you know you never really know what you're going to get with these uh with this wolfpack basketball team um tom i know you probably feel the same way i mean this was yeah, a lot of highs and lows i would i would say I, i'm sure you would agree uh yeah this week um was um rough to say the least you know losing at home to pit losing a tough one um at wake which would have been a nice uh hard one opportunity for us so we just couldn't couldn't take advantage of what i thought was a really well played game at least yeah i mean I, it, there's no other way to say it but just we're just we're just left scratching our heads i mean truthfully we're just left scratching our heads not really sure what to what to say i mean you know one week we're we're praising ourselves for getting two quality home wins uh prepping in for pit and wake and then next thing you know we fall a little bit by the wayside and i don't know maybe ruined our chances at the uh in the little uh, little thing they call March Madness, uh, I wouldn't say it's quite done, but it it's it's very very close. We've got Duke at home, that's a quad one. Carolina weighs a quad one. At Pitt's a quad one. At Clemson, quad one. So there are opportunities, and obviously, if we do something in the ACC tournament as well. There, there's still a chance, but it's very, 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 very slim. Very slim. Well, we'll see. We'll see what kind of happens with that. I'm, I'm, I don't have high hopes. I think maybe I should just start talking about the opposite of what a state is doing, and maybe they'll, they'll prevail. Because every time I seem to bash them on this podcast, they prove me wrong, and they go out and they perform better than they've ever done. And then, yep. of course, as soon as I praise them for being good, they they let me down. And in the wise words of one of our friends, um, I guess I'll leave, uh, leave his name out in case he, in case he wants uh, anonymity. But um, he said, "I when I die, I want uh, NC a few NC State players to you know be my pallbearers so that they can let me down one last time." And I think I kind of agree with that. <laughs> it's 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 tough being a state fan, that's for sure. And I know all of Wolfpack Nation feels the same way. But and you know the 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 thing about it is, is like we had a good week the previous week where we won two quality home games, like you said. And walking into that pit game, I was like, "This is the game. This is the letdown game." And sure enough, it was. Sure enough. And Tom, all I got to say to you is two words. Free throws. Free throws. Free throws. That's really my only, my only, like, I don't even know, just my only 
thing that I'm really actually upset with in the game. I thought we actually didn't play that horribly of a game from uh, from the way we kind of started out. You know, we obviously started off small, you know, as we have been the last few games that's worked for us. Uh, quickly realized that, you know, Pitt had that size that they were going to, that they were easily taking advantage of, especially with uh, Blake Henson and everything. So from the jump, it was going to be a dogfight. And I knew that as soon as, you know, as soon as the first couple minutes went by, we found a way to kind of, you know, fight, claw, be gritty, you know, do little things here and there. It's just that we just, I mean, missed going only six of 15 from the free throw line and then pit, you know, cashing in on basically all of their free throws. I mean, that was really just the difference in the game. I feel like when it really boiled down to the last few minutes of the game, just couldn't capitalize there. Yeah. I mean, we outshot them from the, from overall field goals from the three point line. It's just they made 18 to 20. They scored 12 more points on free throws than we did. And they shot 90% to our 40%. I mean, like, the only other statistic that they did better than us in is, I mean, they rebounded the ball better than than us. But when you miss nine free throws, you should get more rebounds, right? I mean, it's just, I don't know how as a college basketball team, you shoot that poor from the free throw line. Um, And they're guys that, I mean, Middlebrooks was one for five, and on the year, he's what, like 70%? Like, it it just doesn't doesn't make any sense. No, I mean, I think it was just like a – it might have been just – I'm hoping it was just like a flute game from the line because we have been a really good free throw shooting team all year long. And I think when we saw a couple free throws not go down, kind of shook our confidence, I think, towards the end where we just we really couldn't capitalize on making more free throws. Cause I think as a team, when you see the ball go through the basket on those free throws, collectively it creates a you know a positive attitude where you're like oh okay i don't feel as much pressure if i miss or something because everybody's made free throws these free throws i'm shooting don't mean as much maybe in this point in time which you know that it could be a that could be a selfish thing to say but at the same time you know when you see your other teammates making their free throws it takes less pressure off of you to make yours and that goes also with, you know, scoring the basketball in any way also. Just if everybody's making shots, you feel like you might have the green light. But then when nobody's making shots, you're afraid you're afraid to step up and try to make a play. And truthfully, I think the only person that on our team that is really has the green light at all times to make sure that we go get a bucket is DJ Horn. Oh, and yeah. I was hopeful. I was hoping that. Casey Morcel could be a guy to do that this year and maybe even Jaden Taylor at times. And the fact that Michael O'Connell and Casey and Jaden Taylor combined together for seven points. I mean, those are our starters and they combined for seven points and that, that hurts. That hurts because you know, I, yes, Michael O'Connell, you know, he stuffed the stat sheet with his rebounds and his assists. And, you know, that's that's all great. 
But the fact is, is that he played 33 minutes and, you know, we could have used another Michael O'Connell layup here. I mean, he even went 0 for 2 from the line and he heart. I mean, he is a great free throw shooter himself. So it's just like when nothing, when no shots were kind of going from the line and we were kind of fighting back and forth with Pitt, you know, DJ Horn and DJ Burns are essentially just trying to do everything they can. It's playing 2v5 on offense, essentially. Yeah, and, you know, it's frustrating at time to watch, especially, um, you know, we talked about how good Jaden Taylor played last week. And then he goes and has an 0-3 night, and he just didn't look good out there, and his minutes reflected that. Only 24 minutes played, um, and some of that was because of, you know, we talked about the we, – we went bigger. We had a bigger lineup in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, it's just so frustrating, this team just not being able to score the basketball. I mean, giving up, what, 60, 67 points and losing, it's just tough. Especially when you hold them to, to – 42% shooting and 24% shooting from three. Like, and you know, you texted me before, before the game started and he was like, the energy in here is dead. Like there is no energy tonight from anybody, the crowd, the team, they just didn't look like they wanted to be there. No, I told Yeah. I did text you that because I, as soon as I walked in, I looked at our team warming up and it looked like everybody was just kind of going through the motions. Mm-hmm. Everybody had that, for lack of better words here, had that MJ Rice look on them, on the, on their faces where they're just kind of mosing along, no real emotion, not really like getting hyped for the game. They're just kind of like, oh, duh, 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 duh. you know, you know, well, we're probably going to find a way to win this game. We're at home. We beat, you know, GT, you know, in a close game. I don't know, man. That was, that was frustrating to kind of, to kind of watch that all unfold even before the game. And that just, that didn't help my confidence level throughout the entirety of the game. And truthfully, I don't feel like we shot the ball horribly, but it's, it's amazing to me how many times this year where we can, you know, win the rebound battle, we can win this turnover battle. We can win, you know, the, the steals battle. We can, we can maybe sometimes shoot more free throws or something, but you know, we can win all of those like weird, we can win all the stats, but the fact that the matter is, is that there are a few things that don't show up on the stat sheet that affect our ability to close out ball games and win ball games when it, when it, you know, in those last few minutes of the game where, you know, you get a little tight and, you know, you, it, the pressure really gets to them essentially. It's, it's interesting to watch as I've really, I don't feel like I've really ever seen a team, you know, being able to succeed in so many different categories and, you know, be, and beat their opponents in so many different categories yet. Yet some still, still find a way to lose a, a basketball game. Yeah. And I mean, that's what this team is. Like we just, you know, for whatever reason, even if we do play well on in certain areas, it's, one area kills us tonight. It was obviously free throws and rebounding. And 
some of that rebounding was was the smaller lineup and you know we've had success with it in the in the past couple weeks but just didn't really work out and you know guys didn't step up in the way that we needed them to i mean if you take away horn and burns we shot the rest of the team shot below 30 percent like we can't have two guys being the only ones that do anything. I mean, this no. is just frustrating. Oh yeah. You can't, you can't expect people like Jaden Taylor and Casey Marcel and Michael O'Connell to play 25 to 30 plus minute games and hardly produce. Yeah. The, yeah, sure. They get rebounds. They get my, they might get a steal. They might get a few assists, but but if you're Casey Morcel, you know, as a state fan, you would expect him to be a guy to score the basketball and to take pressure off of DJ Horn. Because I feel like, you know, yes, DJ Horn these last four games has he shot the ball great and he's scoring pretty much at will. And that's mm -hmm. great to see. It's great to see. But it doesn't mean anything if Casey Morcel doesn't put up like 12 for like 12 points himself just helps him out a little bit to take because DJ Horn will get to a point this season. I think as we kind of come down this last stretch uh, in February into March teams, you know, teams are definitely looking at him and being like, okay, he's obviously the strongest aspect of the, of the pack. We need to find a way to stop him from scoring. And if we do that, we're going to win the game by 35 points and it's going to be the easiest win of our lives. We might see that Saturday. Oh God. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that, but that, I mean, uh, hopefully not, but we'll, we will see. I mean, I don't, it's just, ugh, I don't know. I mean, in the end of the day, you know, Pitt, Pitt is a, Pitt is a good team. They're a good team and they were tough and you and I both pretty much overlooked the fact of Mr. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Jaden Lowe, man. I mean, good Lord. He was not a person that we really highlighted that much in the last podcast. And that man can hoop. I mean, that guy, I would kill, I would kill to have his floater game. I used to try to do that in high school and I would fail so miserably because I'm so short. And as soon as I drive into the basket, I get blocked by a six, five guy. Like it was like, he was taking candy from a baby. Like, I wish I knew how to my, like, I wish I could have done more in the floater game when I was playing, but that, that Jaden low man, he is something else with that, but that, that is, he is a dangerous weapon with that, uh, with that move in his arsenal. Yeah, he's been up and down. Um, it just sucked that obviously he played so well against us. And some of it comes down to stuff we harp on every podcast is just Burns' ineffectiveness in the pick and roll. I mean, he's not a shot blocker, so he's not going to be able to contest those shots. And, you know, when you get six feet from the basket and you're a Division one college basketball player, a floater is should be easy money, but it it it's 
that uh, like a thing we talked about almost every every episode about his just inability even on a night where you know he had 19 points his defense is so mediocre that it hurts us yeah it's like you want to play him you do want to play him but at the end of the day it's he's not he's not versatile on the defensive end i mean he was playing so much in that late in that game you know we we bring him into the game you know, he, his legs are exhausted. You can tell with with him running down the court four times, he, his legs are exhausted. And truthfully, oh, truthfully, he's really not even running that fast, at least to me. But, no. you know, I digress. It doesn't look like he's running that fast, and yet he does. He gets tired. And I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast, but, you know, it is what it is. It just seemed like in that last little bit, you know, when he had those opportunities to make those layups at the end, he was it almost like he was doing too much where he was doing like the reverse layup on the opposite side. The guy barely got off the ground. I mean, he if he used a little bit of his legs, you know, he makes those tough little layups at the end of the game. And we are still kind of in it where we where we might actually even be up and, you know, maintaining a little bit of a lead and not letting Pitt, you know, kind of do what they want at the end. And I mean, there were a few where I was just was frustrated because he had the opportunity to take advantage of those um, easy buckets and just didn't capitalize and that, and that hurt us in the end. Yeah, it was similar to what happened in the weight game. I mean, our offense in the end of game in tight situations is to give him the ball, which, you know, isn't the worst decision ever, but even when he does miss, we go right back to him. Like it's, I I just don't like the way that we forego moving the ball and, you know, maybe giving it to him towards the end of the shot clock or after some type of action, but it's just like, that's who we are as a team is we come down end of game situation closing the game out as we try to go to him and it just hasn't really worked out this year no no and and like and like you said it's you know we're giving him the ball because you know they're all going to focus their attention on dj horn who in the weight game 31 points so like he he obviously is a scoring threat to other opponents and so that's why we're thinking okay maybe if we can get dj burns somehow to get a little bit of a momentum boost and make him get him like a shot inside the paint maybe he can make it you know keep feeding him the ball as we get towards the late parts of the game find a little momentum you know extend a lead if we have one or just give us a bucket when we're struggling you know, DJ Horn can't be the savior all the time and somebody else has got to step up and with DJ Burns getting limited minutes here and there and, you know, maybe playing 20 minutes one night, playing 30 minutes the other night, it's just, you know, we you always hope, at least we've always hoped that state has had, has figured out a way to build that solid rotation. And I don't think we actually I still don't think we know who to play in which scenarios still. I think we're still testing out the waters and 
that that doesn't make me confident for the rest of the year. And hopefully my by me saying that they prove me wrong. Well, like dude. They have, but I don't know, man. I just don't know. Dude, I mean, why where did Ernest Ross come from? <laughs> the last game he played was before Christmas. Why is he in the game? Oh, dude, but it I, make sense. I love I know I, I know it doesn't make sense, but you know, I love Ernest Ross, and the problem is is like as dude, like it he it's just like Keats is just throwing people out there at this point. Like, I don't feel like Ernest was ready for that moment. No, no offense to Ernest, but like, why are you throwing him into the fire when he's hardly had an ability to like develop redevelop his game after being literally keeping the bench warm all year long? He has two points scored on the year. <sighs> like uh, yeah. It just made I mean, I'm sitting there at the game. I see old 24 go over to the over to the scores table. I, I turned to my mom and I said, that guy hasn't played in two months. <laughs> I, was like, I was lost. Oh, I think, dude, I think we're at this point. I think Wolfpack Nation is lost as a whole. I mean, it's just. We don't ever know what to expect from Keats. And, you know, I know people are gunning for his head. And they're saying that he needs to be fired and everything. And it's just, I feel, I feel conflicted a lot of the time because he does have the ability to be a good coach with the talent that he has around him, but he's wasting it. And I feel like he wasted it. Even though he made the tournament last year, I think he still wasted it a little bit. And Joyner and Terquavion and DJ Burns all bailed him out last year, like hard bailed him out in many, 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 in many, many games that we had. Yeah, I mean, some of it was last year, especially. I mean, not having Jack Clark for majority of the games and not having Dusan as like a rotational guy. Um, just it, that didn't help us some, but I I am part of the fire Keats crowd. I don't think it will happen this year. Um, there's just too many outside factors. Um, with all the Pohal stuff going on, um, I just don't see us buying out buying out of the contract. Um, but like I said, would I or? He has the ability to be a decent coach. I wouldn't say good coach. Um, I think that we need to reevaluate some of the guys we have on the team. Um, and I mean, that's going to come through the portal and then some of the incoming freshmen we have for next year. I'm really excited about. Um, so uh, as much as I don't like him, I think he will be back for another year. If he if he stays another year, I mean, I know I know a lot of people are going to be upset about that. Absolutely. And, but people are going to be upset if he gets fired. 
That's true. True. There, there, there are always two sides. There's always two sides to it. And I think it's just a matter of time. If he does stay next year, it, he like there's, there is going to be no question. Like he has to perform at a high level next year, or he will end up being, you know, fired next year. Like I think this year, you know, just with, like you said, with everything kind of going on with, transfer portal stuff, you know, him still trying to kind of prove himself that he deserves to be, you know, in this position. It's, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens at the end of this year, what, what we kind of finish at. Truthfully at this point, you know, state's got, in my mind, State really doesn't have anything to lose at this point. I mean, we're we're already kind maybe out of the bubble or maybe near the bubble, somewhere near the bubble. I I don't really know at this point because it's all up in the air. But I will say, you know, I don't I think state should not play with feeling like they have any pressure to do anything. Like I think they just need to go out, you know, play just free basketball and you know, just, just just play the way that they know how to play. And, I mean, because we, we really did come close in these last two games against Wake and Pitt. It's just, you know, we just couldn't find a way to finish at the end. It's just, I think, I think we don't have anything to lose at this point. You know, from here until the ACC tournament, we just need to, you know, throw all of our, all of our eggs in one basket and really just – go balls to the wall and really just figure out a way to just play freely play that I hate saying play to have fun, but in a sense play to have fun. Like don't worry about the tournament, just focus on one game at a time, you know, playing to your strengths and just giving 150% every single possession. And I think if we can kind of do that, you know, I don't think we might not win, you know, we might not win the rest of our games and I don't expect us to win the rest of our games, but it'll give me more peace of mind when we finish the end of the year saying to myself, okay, you know, we didn't probably win a couple games, you know, at the very end, but, you know, like Keith says, he's like, I love love how they, our guys play hard and they play with effort. It's like, yeah, of course you're supposed to play with effort. You're supposed to. It's Division One college basketball. Yeah, you're supposed to play with effort. If you don't play with effort, we're gonna obviously notice that. So, play with a little more effort, I guess I would say, and just make sure that you give everything that you have for the rest of the season. Because I know that Wolfpack Nation will accept that fact. If we don't win the rest of our games, but we show that we are laying it out on the line. The rest of the season, I'll be I'll be content in in knowing that, dude. If we play like we did against Wake the rest of the year, I'll be happy. I mean, that first half, especially, was the best basketball we have played all year. Oh, a hundred and ten percent. I mean, I was it was almost like watching a brand new team. Uh, yeah, I mean, turnovers, getting out in transition, dunks, layups. It was just. Where where was this? Where has this been? And some of that, you know, um, 
disappeared in the second half, but we still fought. I mean, DJ Horn played incredible. And we just couldn't get it done down the stretch. I mentioned what I thought about Keats' decision to go to uh, Burns um, down the stretch. Um, and I thought it was a mistake because of how well DJ Horner was playing. I just didn't think taking the ball out of his hands was the right idea. Um, but we still did a pretty good job defensively against a good wake team. I mean, you held Booby Miller and Cam Hildreth to combine three for nine or six for 19. Like that's really good. Yeah. Salas went crazy, but. Some got some games you're gonna have guys do that to you, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, to think that those two guys, you know, they still, I mean, they they combined shot six of ten, and they each only had ten points. But then, so they're, you know, but you look at that, and then you're like, wait, you know, obviously O'Connell for us gets in foul trouble. McConnell and, and Middlebrooks were in foul trouble. And Middlebrooks gets in foul trouble. So Middlebrooks throws up a whopping goose egg for us in 10 minutes played. You have Mor- Marcel, who really only who took hardly any shots only and had nine points. You have Jaden Taylor, who, again, still still really can't seem to find water if he was standing on a beach at little at seven points. Granted. I'll give him credit. Five assists. All right. Five assists to one turnover. He seemed to, but that was, I think, a lot of being able to get out and transition and find DJ Horn, who was basically being automatic all night long. So, yes, in a sense, like he should have probably tried to score a few more points to seven points, but he did have six rebounds, five assists. So, I mean, it's seven more points than he had against Pitt. And I just think, I just think Wake has those guys that, even their role players that aren't going to be their leading scores, they still find a way to get those double digits, double digits in points, and that honestly is a difference maker in their role players and other teams' role players versus our role players, where a lot of the times we're very wishy washy, we're not totally consistent, and it kind of you know bites us in the you know what but i mean kudos to diara man he played a hell of a game and i'm i I mean i literally got up out of my seat when i saw him uh dunk on that uh that one dunk he had yeah and transition we were in transition yeah yeah i mean i got out of my seat i was like oh my gosh it was like it was pretty it was pretty epic i i loved seeing that because we really haven't seen that from diara this year and it was great Seeing him getting more minutes, being able to be versatile on the defensive end, you know, being able to be a little bit of a weapon on offense and somebody else who can score the basketball every now and then. Not being, you know, the center of attention like DJ Horn, but being somebody that can be like, all right, I can get a bucket here and there. I can force the defense to collapse on me after I've hit like two or three shots and then I can get it to somebody else who obviously is a better shooter than I am, but I'm also confident is going to knock down that shot. Yeah, we started the game with the small lineup, which um, in the last podcast I mentioned, I thought it was going to be a mistake just because 
uh, Wake's front court is is big. I mean, Carr six eleven, Efton Reed seven foot. Um, so we had to match up with their size, and Dr. came in and was great. I mean, and you know, I think if um, O'Connell doesn't get in foul trouble, the game's different because Jaden Taylor sits on the bench and you know doesn't force up fifteen shots and brick. 12 of them, you know, <laughs> uh, so frustrating, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a well-fought game. I mean, you know, we win the rebound battle, the assist battle, the steals battle and end up losing. I mean, it's the same thing we just talked about. We do, we can do so many things, right. But sometimes, the nitty gritty and between the lines things that don't show up in the stat sheet, we can't seem to get a grip on to finish and win games. No, and that and it really goes down to maybe like, you know, diving for loose balls, 50-50 balls, you know, being able to create a tough shot for the opponent on the off when we're on the defensive end and, you know, then being able to get a rebound sometimes it's just like it almost seems like we do so well at rebounding when the game is just kind of happening but then like in the crunch time we seem to kind of shrivel up and that's where we lose I guess that rebounding battle and that's I think why we lose a good amount of games is because we might be we might win the rebound battle for the whole game we might be up by a ton of rebounds and, you know, it's been a great rebounding game for us. But then at the end, you know, when we're when we're trying to fight for our lives and trying to find a way to win the game, it's almost then it's where the tides turn against us and they find ways to get those second chance points in the moments where it actually matters more than in, you know, the first, say, 12, 12 to 12 to 16 minutes, I guess, of each half, I should say. Yeah, and, you know, we, um, Kevin Miller missed two front ends of one and one when they get, missed one when it was 73-73, and it led to a DJ Burns turnover, which led to a fast break layup for Wake. And then later in the game at 148, when the game was tied 79-79, um, he missed another front end one and one. That's four points given to us. And it led to a DJ Horn missed three point jumper. And with how he played, that's not the work the worst thing. But I mean, DJ Burns turnovers was a an issue in this game. Five turnovers. Um, something we talked about uh the last recap of Wake. Um, you know, they they kind of figured him out. Um, and how to defend him and again it showed I mean he's able to score the ball but five turnovers to no assist is a problem big problem it's a problem when he when your big guy pretty much relies on his game to be like that I mean I think I heard Keith say like this year to start the year he was worrying more about pass first then score as a big man because he thought people are going to figure him out more which allowed people to figure him out more because he wasn't looking to score the ball first. He was looking to actually pass out like he did a couple times to Joyner and Terquavion last year. And so it's just, it's tough because 
he has the ability to score. He has a, a nice finesse touch, but it just like it, it's almost like he's forcing things that aren't there and he's not letting the game come to him like he did last year. Granted, that comes to, you know, teams not knowing really what he was about last year. But at the same time, you know, that's what the offseason is for. People are going to try to figure you out. you got to figure out different ways to evolve your game. Another so- thing uh, about him that I've noticed this year is that, you know, yeah, he is a big guy and he doesn't get a lot of foul calls, but he reacts to every little bit of contact when he doesn't get it. And, you know, last year he didn't do that. And he, I felt like he played with more physicality in general, using his body to ward off guys. So where he wasn't getting hit. So, you know, it's, he needs to figure it out and fast if we're going to do anything the rest of the year. Yeah, no, he needs to, he needs to. I mean, he went and posted on Twitter about a no call, a video of him <laughs> marginal contact that didn't get called. Like that is just loser mentality. It's not it's not healthy because he's also like when he's backing people down, it's not like they're acting like Ben Middlebrooks and flopping or trying to draw a charge. They're trying to stand him up too. Yeah. Is they don't, they're not going to let their pro, like I guess their pride get in the way of that and the fact that he seems to kind of barely nudge his way in there it's it's frustrating because of how big he is it's like dude just don't literally lower your shoulder but like get low a little bit and like draw some contact and then you you might get a foul then you might I'm not saying you'll get it every time but if you go in strong enough times, you'll be able to get it. It's just, oh, I mean, just again, just two two losses that we could have really, really used. Two games we could have really used to win and fell short. It's it's frustrating. It is what it is. All right. So moving on to Clemson this Saturday. Uh, Clemson, you know, has had our number ever since the year of the Braxton Beverly buzzer beater. The miraculous comeback in the ACC tournament against them uh, that same year, losing seven out of the last eight against them. Um, this is probably the most talented team that Brad Burnell has had in his tenure at Clemson. So it's just, it's going to be a tough one, regardless, regardless how you look at it. Um, Clemson really likes to dominate teams on the glass, one of the largest starting lineups in college basketball. Um, Clemson comes in ranked 30th in the net rankings and they're considered to be a six seed in the latest bracketology projections. So this is a must win game. If state has any hope of making um, the NCAA tournament um, players to watch um, none bigger than PJ hall, six ten senior forward, who's considered to be a lock for first team, all ACC averaging 20 points, seven rebounds, and is considered a matchup nightmare for the pack. Um, you know, he's given us a lot of trouble. His ability to, you know, stretch the floor, shoot the three, um, with DJ's lack of mobility, it's just not a good look. Um, I'd expect Keats to make similar changes to the lineup that we saw in the weight game uh, to combat this versatility that he has uh, with, a you know, a combo of Mo Diara and Ben Middlebrooks or... Um, 
when Burns is in the game, I expect him to be matched up with uh, Ian Shefflin, which we'll talk about later. Um, but, you know, his ability, Hall's ability to just stretch the floor and, you know, even take bigs off the bounce is a huge concern for us. Yeah, we've not been we've not been strong in that area. And hopefully we given that we've had a full week to kind of get like to get some rest, rejuvenate ourselves, kind of prep, get get enough days worth of prep for Clemson. Gives me a little bit of hope going into this. I mean, we're obviously we're recording this a little bit late this week, but you know, it is hopefully hopefully state has had this time to really really look inward to find you know what it is that their strengths and weaknesses are you know at the at the tiniest little microscopic level to make sure that you know obviously they're not going to be flawless but if they can find a way to be able to attack Clemson's weaknesses and given that they've had this entire week to prep for them, I would hope that we would show up for the game. I mean, you can only hope and dream. I mean, and that, and that goes basically for how we're going to defend Joe Girard. I mean, the, the, the Syracuse transfer, I mean, everybody pretty much knows who he is. I mean, they should be familiar with him and his game. Just an absolute stud at Clemson. He's killed. He, I mean, at Syracuse, I should say. Sorry, he killed us. You know, when he was at Syracuse. I mean, we really did not have an answer for him whenever we would go play at Syracuse and in PNC. He just seemed like a guy that could basically do whatever he wants, score from wherever he wants, and I mean, he's averaging fifteen leading this team in three assists a game. He shoots 43% from deep. I mean, the guy's a stud, and he's a household name. And there's no reason that we shouldn't be focusing a lot of attention on him. I mean, Clemson's got a lot of good players, but Joe Girard is their quarterback. He is he is the guy, he is the crafty guard who, you know, he might be the quarter quarterback, quote-unquote quarterback, but, you know, even though he does play off the ball, essentially, um, he actually is being more efficient in that way. You know, granted, he was able to score pretty much and do whatever at Syracuse, but his role at Clemson, you know, being an off-ball guy, is actually increasing his efficiency numbers and making him more of a liability that we need on our end that we need to make sure that we know where he is at all times more than when he was at Syracuse, because he's, he's not going to be dribbling the ball around up the court as much. He is going to be the guy. He's going to be a shot maker that, you know, he's going to be able to stop and pop from mid range, shoot the three drive to the basket. I mean, he, like I said, guys, a stud and there's no, there's no real way to really stop him fully, but if we can get him to slow down, get him uncomfortable, make it difficult for him to get open shots and just take highly contested shots. If if he makes those, okay, that's, it's a good play by him. 
but you can't give him the world because he will absolutely destroy us in every single way. Yeah, and a, him being able to play off the ball is because of uh, Chase Hunter. Um, you know, six foot four, extremely physical point guard who averages twelve points, three rebounds, and three assists. He does. He's their uh, initiator on the offensive end. And he's a really big threat when he's able to get downhill and attack the basket. Uh, he's been struggling uh, behind the arc this year, um, shooting only 27% for, on the year. But for his career, he's about a 35% shooter from deep. So he is very capable. And their latest game against Miami, I believe he went four of five. No, full. Five of eight, excuse me. Um, he had 20 points. Um, he was really the catalyst for them uh, pulling away from that game. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, he's he's a threat on all three levels. And he's really good on the defensive end as well. I mean, staying in front of uh, primary ball handlers and just using his physicality. Um, and, yeah, he's, he's a really great player. And really solid player. He doesn't really do a lot of things wrong in games. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's going to be a little nerve wracking for us too. And definitely another guy that we need, need, need to watch out for is the uh, six, eight, forty in Shefflin. Um, obviously he's not a big part of their half court offense, but he, I think to the both of us, uh, after we've kind of watched Clemson throughout this year, I know you and me kind of agree on this, is he is probably our biggest threat in this game. I mean, the guy's averaging nearly 10 and 10, 10 points, 10 boards on pretty much every game. He he is their grit guy. He is he is he honestly could be essentially the glue that kind of holds them all together provides energy whenever he's out there. I mean, the guy is the guy is nothing short of a spark plug. And if we do not, I guess, locate where he is and really make sure that we are stopping him and at least slowing him his roll down by not allowing him to get offensive rebounds, create second and third chance opportunities on the glass. I mean, we we have a better chance because Shefflin will will do it all for the Tigers. He is it can if we can get if we can figure out a way to stop him when he does not have the ball in his hands, it will make it easier for us to stop him when he does have the ball in his hands. So their grit guy, their spark plug. I mean, he is he is the guy that I am I am probably the most nervous about because we all know that you know Gerard and Hunter and you know PJ Hall. We all know what they're going to do. You know, we 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 can only do so much to stop those guys and you know force those guys to make mistakes here and there. Shefflin is is the guy that is going to give us the most fits, and it'll be interesting to see kind of who we put on him as far as defensively. Maybe if, yeah, I mean, hopefully we can take advantage of a matchup here and there. It just, but he is a guy we need to watch out for. And he is, I'm definitely the most nervous about him versus anybody else on their team. I don't know if you'd agree with that, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with it. I mean, 
just his ability to hit the offensive glass, create second chance opportunities for them. Um, and I mean, when he touches the ball, it's almost always in a good position to score. He does a really good job of creating angles in the post. Um, he's a pretty good passer as well from the high post and like high low situations. And if you leave him open, I mean, he's a he's a knockdown shooter. He doesn't take a lot of them, but I think he's shooting 60% from three and he's shooting 62% from the field. So when he shoots it, it goes in more often than not. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess one more player we could mention um, would be Jack Clark. Um, Jackie Clark. Uh, transfer from the NC State. Um, you know, talk about the trade between Middlebrooks and him before. Uh, and he's been dealing with uh, injuries this year again. Um, but recently he's been playing upwards of 30 minutes a game. And he hasn't been shooting the ball well, but he's been hitting the glass, uh, you know, playing excellent defense. And if you have guys like that, especially in this lineup where you've got three really good scores and Hunter, Gerard, and Hall, and then a guy guy like Shefflin and, and Clark who are, you know, good on both ends, or Clark not as much on the offensive end, but he's still able to, you know, get offensive rebound, create a second chance. Uh, he is a he can knock down threes. We saw it from him, and I would honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we, you know, next week when we're recording the podcast, he's hit three threes and had like twelve points against us. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, and then you know, going into our keys of the game, uh, it's matchups for me. It's how how are we going to combat their size with? PJ Hall, 6'10, Shefflin, 6'8, but he's a big 6'8, like 6'8, mm-hmm. uh, 240, somewhere in there. I mean, he's a big, strong guy. And then Clark, another 6'8, long, athletic. Um, and even even Chase Hunter, 6'4, like 210. He's a guy. I mean, all of those guys are physical, uh, want to get on the glass. How, how, what are we going to do? Are we going to stick with our four guard lineup and get dominated down low or what I'm hoping is we make a change where we're, you know, probably going with, I honestly, for this game, want to see Middlebrooks and Diara start. I want Middlebrooks on Hall and uh, Diara on Shefflin. Cause he's really active on the glass as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I doubt Middlebrooks does start and I bet, We'll see Burns, in which I bet Burns will be on Shefflin and um, DR will be on Hall. But it's a tough matchup regardless because DR has given up size in terms of weight to PJ Hall and strength. But DJ can't match up with Hall on the perimeter. So it's just what are we going to see? And I I don't have the answer to that. No, I, I would be shocked if you and I had the answer to any of that. And I think if Burns starts, he's PJ Hall is going to be able to do kind of whatever whatever he wants in the first few minutes, and DJ Burns is getting thrown out like immediately, like right after <laughs> that. Thrown out essentially just, you know, getting benched. I mean, it's hopefully it doesn't come to that. Hopefully DJ holds his own a little bit and then gets a little bit of a break, but I'm just praying PJ Hall doesn't do what he does best and just can take over a game whenever he can. And, you know, rebounding. You know, we've said this. I, I this actually, is the most, this is hard. the most used topic for us. Like he's the game is rebounding and 
<laughs> I get tired of saying this, dude. Honestly, but it's it's every game. And the the problem is we emphasize this every game and we might win the rebound battle, honestly. And then But still, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So like why are we even going to talk about rebound? It, it will be interesting to see how we really match up with these guys given that we've had a week off. I mean, if we I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it came out flat. Oh, it's about to say the same thing. It's it, 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 but you never know, man. We might be able to just teams can teams have beaten them there. It's it's not like it's impossible to do. I mean, no, I mean, look, Clemson's riding a little bit of a win streak. Okay, yada yada yada, whatever. They Georgia beat... Tech beat him there. Virginia beat him there. Yeah, they uh, uh, yeah they beat Carolina at, at Carolina. Oh, big whoop de doo. You know, Carolina lost at Syracuse. Which you know that makes me mad too, but it is what it is, and I don't know. Maybe maybe Clemson will go into this game feeling like they are superior, and maybe we can find a way to you know sneak under the radar and maybe get a solid road win. Who knows? I mean, but like I said before, my optimism kills NC State's ability to win the game, so maybe I just shouldn't be optimistic at all. We'll see. I am predicting a 77-69 Clemson win. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset with that one. Um I mean, granted I'm upset when the state loses regardless, but you know, it I digress. It it it, it should be an interesting game and we'll we'll see kind of how it plays out. Um you got anything else uh, for this uh, podcast, my man? Uh, no, I think we we touched on everything. Yeah, well, the Niners lost the Super Bowl, so I've been absent this week for sure. But <laughs> oh but, man, but I've I've definitely seen some stuff on social media where it's 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 hurt it's hurt my soul soul a little bit. You know, seeing stuff time rules. How Twitter is just the nemesis if your team loses a big. Oh yeah everything that occurred and you're just like you lose it a little bit so hopefully the Niners win one in my lifetime but if it's not meant to be then it is what it is man at least you're not a Panther fan a freaking <laughs> amen all right guys well um thank you again for listening this has been another um edition of the Howlin' Hoops podcast uh as always, guys, we really appreciate you uh, you guys tuning in. Uh, please like us on Instagram and follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter X. I still don't know what to call it. I'm gonna I say Twitter. Pretty pretty much every podcast, but uh, go like us, go follow us on those platforms. Uh, you know, tune into Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You know, we're there every week for basketball season, and um, we'll see how State does uh, against Clemson on Saturday, my man, and. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. And, you know, we again, we appreciate you guys listening. And uh, go Pack, baby. Go Pack.